before we get into the episode, just a quick warning that this episode does contain mentions of suicide and depression. Also, please be aware that we are just a bunch of artists and musicians who like to talk about subjects that are sometimes slightly beyond our wheelhouse. If we say anything that's inaccurate or just flat out wrong, please send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and let us know what we missed. Thanks. Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor, and we're joined by a special guest tonight, Alex White. Hey, how's it going? I'm Alex White. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, maybe maybe like introduce what we're talking about today, and and tell us how you started thinking about all this doomer stuff. And, yeah. And real quick, before you do that, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm an interdisciplinary artist from Colorado. That means like. I draw from photography, poetry, like writing articles and essays, music, uh, you know, painting, drawing. I just do all sorts of art and I really like to, I mean, not that I like to, it just happens naturally. I incorporate whatever I'm thinking about at the moment into the art that I'm doing. But I mean, I, I would say that I'm primarily a musician. Like I went to college with Trevor and Eric uh, that's where we met and became friends and had some really cool improv jams with these guys. And we went to this one event in Longmont one time and did an improv session. And the guy afterwards, like, uh, came up to us afterwards, like, do you guys want to be a part of a festival? And like, gave us this card and everything. And it's super, just very interesting. Mm never got back to us we should like hit him up was that was that, that like open mic at the, the library uh, or something where we were doing like the triggering the samples from the laptop and yeah it was, like... it was yeah. just super weird yeah yeah and they had like free beer there and everything yeah. and that's right yeah, yeah that was fun mm. yeah and uh today we're talking about collapse and doomer like being a doomer but i uh don't really like the like normal like colloquial term for doomer on the internet mm. like because part of that includes like sort of this like incel like nihilistic <laughs> like just really kind of nasty outlook on the world mm. i i'm more of like a a doomer that is in in circles that like ecological thought and I don't know, try to have like a positive outlook mm. on things, like what they would call a bloomer. You know what I mean? Like someone who goes through the doomer phases and then's like, I don't know, maybe everything will be all right in the end. But, you know. So so what exactly does a boomer believe? Oh, bl- bloomer, bloomer, Do- right? Doomer a, bloomer? a bloomer? Like, I'm not, ex- I'm not 100% on it, but I think that a doomer believes that things are just bad you know what i mean (laughs) like a lot of it comes from like alienation Mm. that 
like sort of neoliberal capitalism and just neoliberalism in general kind of imposes on people because, you know, we're like these alienated subjects that have to, uh, you know, go to work for, you know, 12 hours a day or whatever in some cases and like probably more. But even then, like, if you have an eight hour job, like you got to think that it takes you an hour to get ready, an hour to come home. Maybe you have like a two hour commute. So you're spending like all of your day and that's just to kind of live, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, apart from that, I think, yeah, I definitely don't speak for like all doomers cause it's, it's definitely like a huge, uh, subculture on the internet. And I don't want to, upset any doomers because they can be kind of trollish (laughs) as well and it's like i just don't want (laughs) to touch that bear you know what i mean uh i think the way that i look at it is through collapse um and like i'll just read the about section of collapse on the reddit that i have pulled up like Discussion regarding the potential collapse of global civilization defined as a significant decrease in human population and or political, economic, social complexity over a considerable area for an extended time. We seek to deepen our understanding of collapse while providing mutual support, not to document every detail of our demise. Mm. So, yeah, because I think as uh I think as this guy Daniel Drumwright mentioned in his article, like it's a pretty lonely thing to be thinking about this stuff sometimes because yeah. most people outside of this pretty insulated community will be like, Oh no, you're crazy. Don't worry to worry about it. You know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. So it makes sense that there's, there's a community of people who've kind of come together on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean like with any other thing that like a normal, you know, normal in quotes, like, person would look at and be like whoa that's weird or whoa that's um not my bag man you know yeah like i think part of it too is i mean like people have been warning about the apocalypse i mean definitely mm -hmm. since nuclear weapons became a thing Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i I remember i don't know my my parents like told me at one point like oh yeah you know people have been saying the world's gonna end since you know we were we were going up to and it's like (laughs) it you know it can seem like everyone has that perspective and therefore we should just kind of disregard it (laughs) because it's 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 kind of also uh uh it kind of puts you at the center of the universe Mm. because it 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 totally implies that you're kind of like the most important generation or like you know there's some even if it's like insanely unlucky uh insanely bad luck it's still some kind of of like privileged position within significant that makes sense yeah significant yeah for sure. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, you have to balance, like, sure, people have been saying things are, are going to end for a long time. You know, Al Gore, back when, like, we were just little kids, he was, his whole platform was, hey, guys, we're fucked. Let's, let's do something about it now. And, of course, yeah. <laughs> that didn't. An inconvenient truth. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's still, like, depressing to watch, too. Uh-huh. And it's still true. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's what's crazy about it. Right. It's like all of this really is happening, but yeah. Like you look outside the window and it's like, there's birds and Mm -hmm. it's like the sun's out. It's a nice day. You can go for a walk, but yeah, 
there's all this like economic destruction like if you get hit by a car and you survive on your walk and you don't have health insurance then you're fucked <laughs> yeah yeah it's the whole the whole like exponential growth thing where it seems like it's not doing anything for a long time and then all of a sudden it just shoots way up and right and yeah especially with with climate stuff because there are so many fee- potential feedback loops that could happen yeah which stuff just kind of you know goes haywire really quickly right yeah like i think feedback loops are gonna really sort of kick us in the ass when they start kicking in mm-hmm. so t- to what extent does environmental collapse play into societal collapse are, are they more or less tied together or is uh the doomer or whatever you want to call it movement focusing on one thing or the other i tend to think that i think that's a good question because i think that like the more internet uh obsessed doomers tend to focus on society more mm. like what's wrong with society um the politics the sometimes the economics even though that's a little bit more rare as well mm-hmm. but um the people on collapse definitely are more focused on like systems thinking where everything sort of is tied in together and each thing affects the other like the economy affects the environment mm. the environment affects the economy affects the politics affects the social situation you know um mm. like even being in hotter weather like affects the way that humans interact with each other like they become you know grumpy and uh like harder to deal with because they're just dealing with the weather right (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i I was uh, looking into that book uh overshoot that you mentioned Mm -hmm. alex and and the the whole thing like a a big idea in that is the idea of a carrying capacity and we have this kind of phantom so so carrying capacity right is just the amount of uh a population that a certain environment can sustain and right now because of all these technologies we have like being able to you know produce better fertilizer we have this what's called like a phantom carrying capacity that's like you know could be like as high as four times larger than the actual carrying capacity and once we kind of lose our our technology that makes us able to have that higher phantom carrying capacity it'll it'll be like a huge catastrophe because we just can't there's no way we can support that big of a population without mm. without certain technology. Yeah, it'll be like genocide by technology. Mm-hmm. Like I think that the number that he gives, I can't remember if it's 3 million or 3 billion, but I mean, either way, you're going to lose billions of people because the earth can really only like sustainably hold like 3 billion or 3 million people. And, like, that's definitely, like, a really taboo sort of thing to say. Mm. But um, especially if you're, like, a leftist, because then, like, eco-fascism comes in to the picture. And it's, like, that word gets thrown around a lot when people start talking about population. Because we think that we should be able to hold, you know, as many people as possible or not as many people as possible i'm not quite sure what i'm trying to say that it that it's like who who are we to say who gets to live and who doesn't or who gets to reproduce and who doesn't 
there's that. Yeah, there's definitely that because like, and like people are afraid of having the government impose mm-hmm. like uh, a child limit or something, yeah, which was disastrous you know in I mean? China, right? I don't know much about that, but I've heard about it. Uh, there's, I think there's a good like documentary on it and everything. Do you know about that? I, I've watched some short documentaries about the subject, and everything that I've heard is basically just, oh my god, this is the worst thing that, that we they ever did. It's not 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 an effective solution. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, it seems like there is no effective solution like the thing that john michael greer says is collapse now to avoid the rush like Mm. just kind of let everything fall apart because i mean he thinks of it in like long long cycles too like 10 billion years from now humans will have gone extinct uh there's going to be some other life form on the planet probably you know that kind of thing like Humans have a life cycle just like everything else. Ecology teaches us that everything has a life cycle, like birth, you know, living, then death. Did you say 10 million? 10 billion. 10 billion, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. who the hell knows? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Because, I mean, think about what was going on 10 billion years ago. Mm. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we would have to have to have, like, moved to another star system at that point or have like carved out an asteroid and just be like a self-sufficient <laughs> yeah population. i'm interested in your guys's thoughts on that because like i know that i definitely got to like remove myself from like sort of a collapse mind because like a lot of people have different thoughts about solutions or like like what do you do you guys believe that i mean this might be a leading question because i'm like wanting to say that uh, you know, technology isn't going to solve mm. this, mm-hmm. but like, I want to know if you guys think that, you know what I mean? I, cause I'm, tr- I'm trying to like, think of collapse, like when you become collapse aware and like, uh, this is another thing that I think is important. I sent the link, the like decolonizing, um, like our perspectives, like, I don't want to be like coming across as like the one who knows and that like i'm you know shepherding you guys into becoming collapse aware (laughs) or whatever you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i don't want to have such an arrogant uh view of myself but like being collapse aware is like you go through these different phases of like denial and acceptance and like hedonism and nihilism and Mm -hmm. optimism pessimism like and then eventually like you come to acceptance but even when you hit acceptance like you go back to the other phases and you're like oh maybe if we do this or oh i'm just gonna you know be a hedonist and yeah (laughs) um but i'm curious what what you guys what you guys think of it collapse yeah so i i mean i you know i've i've always thought or or suspected that that we'll be able to geoengineer our way out of climate change mm. yeah. um but not i mean yeah like cloud seeding and, and doing stuff to the atmosphere probably sounds like probably a bad idea but uh and i think in one of the the papers he he kind of went through a bunch of the different things like like carbon capture and and all that stuff mm-hmm. and like i think he said carbon capture like you 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 know you end up 
creating more carbon emissions uh like trying to get that stuff going then then it'll actually you know get out of the atmosphere yeah uh, the one thing he didn't mention that i i've heard about is like a fleet of satellites with mirrors <laughs> uh, oh, have you heard yeah, anything heard about, about that? that yeah just briefly through reading the thing yeah that couldn't possibly um, go wrong well i mean <laughs> but it, it's not like it, you could potentially undo it or change it if if it doesn't quite work right whereas if you put stuff into the atmosphere at that point it's like if it doesn't work or something mm-hmm. goes wrong you're kind of screwed mm-hmm it seems it yeah. seems like reversible in a way that that a lot of these other geoengineering things aren't right yeah i'm very skeptical that technology will be able to just magically fix any sort of problem we get ourselves into even with a lot of trial and error because our track record is not great and if you look at mm. uh for example what was that there's there's like sort of a rodent in florida that they introduce to keep the population of some other animal down, but then the rodent, or, or to keep the, the the population of the algae down, which was killing everything. Um, mm. But then the rodent just went wild, and the population exploded and became like a worse problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Have you seen um, that Kurtz? Kurtz, I don't know how to say that. Like the in the nutshell. Oh, Kurt, uh, Kurtz Gesagt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did an episode on geoengineering, I think. Oh, and yeah, I th- yeah. I, th- I think it's pretty good. Um, like I always like looking at the collapse subreddits reactions to those. Mm-hmm. Like they're always like, oh, it's just more techno bullshit, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where like ecological and systems thinking comes in. Like when you introduce one thing to save to or to like fix or influence a particular thing like that algae population mm-hmm. or or the old uh, lady who swallowed the fly the story what about it oh just just that it's you, you know that children's song you ever sing that when you're a kid yeah yeah there's an old lady who swallowed a fly she swallowed a frog to catch the fly and it goes, right goes on on yeah something to catch the frog like we don't know the consequences <laughs> of our actions ahead of time mm-hmm. but there will be consequences yeah yeah i mean <laughs> eric's gonna give me a hard time but if we get to agi before this all happens <laughs> there is a chance that that could come up with some solution to this whole thing well, that well, well yeah. if panpsychism is true <laughs> it's, it's the two things i have to bring up every time we talk about it about to that time we're on psychedelics <laughs> um i mean yeah so that, that's a long shot but i mean there are there are people who, who say that might happen by by 2040 and it is one, it is one of those like it's always 20 years away type things mm. um yeah i mean it's same thing with same thing with nuclear fusion um mm. i mean that's that's been i mean that's been I, I mean the joke is that it's been 20 years away for like 40 years or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah they're uh, talking about that in the 70s weren't they yeah. like 70s and the 80s um, i think he talks about that in overshoot yeah mm. but i mean i mean the other thing is i mean this wouldn't prevent collapse on earth but but i mean if if we get a population on mars it's possible that that could be just another like another refuge for mm. for humanity at least although if, if earth collapses then I, and the mars population is is still pretty small and like requires support from earth that could still you know 
and badly. Mm -hmm. And you know, to, yeah. to me, it seems quite plausible that through technology, we really could survive um, in space. And you know, the, the the book Seven Eves explores this concept pretty vigorously, although it is science fiction. But it, it it poses like you know, yeah, if we put our minds to it, we could probably do it. But the thing about it is. That sort of existence to me seems so marginal and so desperate that it almost doesn't seem worth it to me. Like, sure. It sort of implies. Go ahead. Oh, oh Sorry just, for just, to, just to finish that off, uh, I'll say it's, it's sort of um, like, sure, we're surviving. The human race is surviving, but at what cost? What, what of ourselves are we losing in order to accomplish that? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it sort of implies the destruction of Earth anyways. Like mm -hmm. that the, our hope is to colonize space because the Earth is fucked. Like it's already sort of conceding the point mm -hmm. that we don't have any hope here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. <laughs> and it's only ever going to be for a very, very small fraction of, of the population. Yeah, like the super wealthy too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know. That's the other thing I probably should bring up in this too is that, like, should probably not think about this so much. You know, like I, th I think, I've, I think I'm in a good place to explore this kind of thing just because it interests me and I have a lot of sort of coping mechanisms and support and like I'm not dealing with a whole lot but like it's not good to obsess about this because it's really bad for your mental mm. health <laughs> yeah. like uh if any of this makes you feel bad like reach out to a friend or to someone you trust or there are you know resources out there like hotlines and there's even a subreddit <laughs> collapse support uh for this specific issue because it's kind of uh hard to talk to people about this like you can't mm. and like there's there's scientific evidence that like suicidal ideation and stuff like that is contagious you know mm. so yeah like if if you are feeling suicidal then like your friends if if they have that kind of latent in them then that can trigger it for them and like it's just we want people to you know, have support and be, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. good. Yeah, I'll tell you, I had a lot of resistance just to reading the articles you guys sent me. Like, just just knowing mm -hmm. that we were going to talk about this subject, it was very challenging for me to even make myself aware of the situation to a certain extent. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with, with you, Alex. I, I have, like, a kind of like morbid fascination i guess with with like apocalyptic stuff mm -hmm. and still like i mean like i don't I, I this is how i feel about a lot of like like darker philosophy stuff like like antinatalism too it's like it's mm -hmm. you read about it, it's like oh this is interesting and like well, what if they're right and you know and it's kind of dark but then you know when you're at a low point it, it can just like hit you in the like smack you in the face when you're yeah. not ready for it and it's like oh shit like now I get why people said, you know, be careful for sure. this stuff. 
So yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. It's like it, another exponential thing. Like you dip your toes in with like antinatalism, and then you go onto the collapse subreddit, and then you know, like you just keep going deeper and deeper into this stuff, and like <laughs> then it just kind of all hits you at once, and it's like yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so i mean this this whole collapse thing is kind of connected to the antinatalism thing right yeah. because a lot of a lot of people who are choosing not to have kids now the, the reason they give is that they're worried about their kids having to live through some kind of ecological catastrophe or something like that yeah it's, yeah i mean it's, it's like or real... just worsening conditions mm-hmm. like continued worsening conditions because i mean i just think of like things are just going to become physically impossible. Like that's just kind of the reality of things. Could you go into Uh, some details about like the, the actual ways that might happen? Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, the whole thing is kind of like peak oil, peak everything. The idea of peak is the thing, you know, you only have a certain amount of a resource. Like we had tons of oil and the energy return on investment was huge for that. And the energy return on investment means that the amount of time and energy that we spend getting the oil out of the ground is worth less than the amount that it gives us back. So, like, mm-hmm. it gives us back way more energy than we spend on getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and peak oil, I think, means that that sort of goes down like if there was an eroi before of like a hundred to one the ratio now it's down to like four to one mm. you know what i mean and uh it's just going to keep getting lower and lower and lower because we're running out of oil and then we're going to switch to coal and natural gas mm. but natural gas is just making the methane leaks a lot worse and you know the thing with electric cars because that's sort of the thing that people like think like oh to switch to renewables electric cars use rubber tires and rubber comes from oil mm. and they also use rare earth minerals for their engines and other features and same with like wind turbines and stuff like it's all just pollution and <laughs> like nonsense we have to like degrow but that's probably not going to happen just because of the vested, like vast interests of things. Am I explaining it? Uh, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like, I mean, it's always way more complicated and nonlinear than people make it out to be. For uh, sure. And and the big problem uh, with renewable energy, I think, or one of the big problems is that we still don't really have a an efficient way to store energy for long periods of time. Yeah. And like the thing with the thing with wind energy and, and solar too, is like, it's kind of unpredictable when you're going to get it. And right. so it's, it's, and we don't currently have a way to store it on a large scale. And so yeah. that's one of the big problems we haven't solved yet. Yeah. And like, so I read a post on collapse support the other day about like actual actionable things to, that we could do and I mean it's mostly just to stop the like myth of growth and 
to try to degrow, uh, and that means you know just changing the way that everything is structured. <laughs> like so, the myth of growth being the idea that we can continue to expand as a population, expand as a population, expand. Uh, it's you know it's kind of like an economic thing that I don't understand very well. Like uh, it's. You know, because every year we have to make more money in order for, like, our economy to work, I think. Mm. Well, it's, it's like and, GDP growth, right? Yeah, GDP yeah. growth. And in order to do that, we have to use more and more resources, which we don't have. I think it's really interesting, but it's really funny and it's really tragic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of want to jump to, oh man, the stock market's all bullshit. It's all made up, but money doesn't, isn't worth anything <laughs> off the, off the right. gold standard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but, but doesn't, doesn't Guy McPherson, like he, he, he like gives stock reports as, as part of his like weekly updates, doesn't he? I think I, so. I, I like listened to one of them and, and he, he, I think he was kind of talking about that, how like this week, um, which is the week of December 6th. Uh, he was like, yep, everything's really shit now, but the stock market is like up higher than ever, right? Yeah. Higher than ever. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> just waiting it's, for the uh, next pop. so bizarre. Yep. <laughs> it's, and it's coming too. It's going to be like bad, mm. bad, bad. Yeah. I mean, the, the dollar is going to crash at some point is what I've yeah, heard. Probably. And that's the other thing too, though, is like probably within like the next 20 years if you're like giving it a nice amount of time to crash Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and like i just read today on the reddit like you know who knows who these people are it's probably all bullshit not all bullshit but a lot of it's just some random dude on the internet saying some shit but uh he said something like or she could be she or non-binary could be a cat right it's the internet (laughs) A sentient cat, the very first sentient cat. Anyways, <laughs> uh, they were saying that, uh, you know, why don't we just take some of the money away from the military to fund, you know, basic needs of our population? And someone replied that the military, the United States military is what's keeping the dollar strong so Mm. the the less like military might that we have the less you know investors will want to invest in our company our yeah our company our country i think i mean couldn't that also just be the 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 fact that the the government isn't injecting that much money into the military industrial complex like it's giving it's like buying so much from the military industrial complex that it's like inflating the the economy you know i've I've heard that term the military industrial complex a lot and vaguely i have a sense of what it means but could you could you put a finer point on that for me i'll try i mean i think the term comes from eisenhower's like last speech as president which is kind of funny because he you know, I mean, he was a president, so he's, you know, this. I mean, this probably will offend some people, but, you know, he's one of the most vile people in the earth, like, living during the time that he said that. And he kind of, like, preached about, oh, you know, the military-industrial complex, blah, blah, blah. 
but you know, meanwhile, you're you were a general, and after you left, I'm pretty sure he went into the Pentagon. I don't really know. I could probably I'm probably making myself sound like a jackass here, but um, I think it's sort of also tied to this one general. Uh, I think it's William Smetley Butler. Might be William. Might be something else. But he has his book that's pretty short read. I think it's worth worth a read. You can find it for free on the internet. Um, called War is a Racket. And it's like, sort of, I mean, it's all just like one big money scheme, practically. Uh, like, who was fueling the Nazis in World War II? You know, we were. We were giving them fuel. And not only us, but like this whole, like, system. Um, and I think the military-industrial complex. I haven't read about it recently, so it's kind of vague in my mind. But Trevor, do you have a, an idea? I mean, yeah, I could I could try to define. It. I mean, I think it's basically like you know we have all these companies like Northrop Grumman and and Lockheed Martin and you know whoever makes all the rifles and the tanks mm-hmm. and that kind of thing that you know are are. I mean, I, I don't I've, I don't know the exact figures, but if you look at how much like one fighter jet costs, it's like completely insane like several yeah. hundred million dollars <laughs> yeah like yeah, i think the like f-35 that. is some ridiculous amount of money yeah yeah and you know <laughs> like aircraft carriers and you know just just all the all the the fancy shit that just keeps just keeps getting turned out turned out yeah and i mean like the internet and our phones were developed with military funding yeah, I mean, there's space stuff involved too, and satellites. Yeah, and, and like research and development for some crazy weapons technologies none of us have heard of yet. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the internet was actually conceived as like a sort of tracking thing. There's this guy, um, Yasha Levine, I think is his name. Uh, he wrote a really good book on it. I thought the internet was like a, a college's yeah, that's what I heard like well. wanting to communicate with each other thing. Um, I think that's definitely part of it, but it was a part of this thing called like operation Phoenix and Vietnam, like to sort of, he has his book surveillance Valley, the secret military history of the internet. Um, and I'll just read the like description of it. Um, because I think it's a really worthwhile thing for people to know. Tracing it back to the Pentagon Counterinsurgency Surveillance Project, a visionary intelligence officer, William Godell, realized that the key to winning the war in Vietnam is not outgunning the enemy, but using new information technology to understand their motives and anticipate their movements. This idea, using computers to spy on people in groups perceived as a threat, both at home and abroad, drove ARPA, ARPA to develop the internet in the 1960s and continue to be at the heart of the modern internet as we know and you today. As Levine shows, surveillance wasn't something that suddenly appeared on the internet. It was woven into the fabric of the technology. So, hmm. yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. There, the book uh, Inherent Vice by Thomas Pynchon uh, goes into that a little bit. It's pretty interesting. They didn't show it in the movie, which kind of makes sense because hollywood and like the whole film industry is like cia central baby you know yeah. like 
um, look at all these cool guns and weapons. Fuck yeah, <laughs> you know, like they're part of the they're part they're part of the military <laughs> industrial complex. Like Marvel movies or uh-huh. like God, look at all this fucking shield. sick military shit. Fuck yeah, <laughs> sex and violence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever watch that uh, Agents of Shield show? I watched like a no. couple episodes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Marvel. It's like the moral of every single episode is just trust us. Just trust the government. They know what they're doing. They have yeah. good reason for the secrecy. Yeah, the CIA is your friend. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, there's something to that. So. Um, Coming back to the Doomer thing, it seems to me that there's a couple different approaches that people tend to take. One is complete fatalism. There's nothing we can do. And the only thing worth doing at this point is coming to terms with what's going to happen uh, of our eventual demise and uh, face it in a graceful and a peaceful way. The other approach being, let's find a solution for this, either to avoid collapse or else to make the best of it when it does happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's where like it kind of ties back in to whether or not you are like sort of a digital native. Like if you go into the like internet culture, like there's, I think the terminology for that <laughs> to get technical here. Uh, with the shit posting words like is like lay down and die i think is one of them like just kind of like accept it like mm. you know we're fucked nothing we can do just lay down and die uh did, it, did they abbreviate it as l dad i think so <laughs> yeah yeah i'm curious about i mean it's i'm like curious about that one uh what do you guys think about that and in, in like does that like it Assuming that we do know with pretty good certainty that there's nothing we can do and that this is going to happen, do do you think it makes sense to lay down and die, or should we fight to the very end despite uh, not being able to come to terms with our death peacefully? Mm. I mean, I I think uh, one one of the authors of the the two articles we looked at mentioned this, but but like if, if you're responsible for other people, like if you're a parent with young children, then I think you do have some kind of responsibility to like basically look out for their needs, yeah. you know, as, as much as you can. And I think, you know, if I think there is, is something to be said for just, you know, trying to make sure it's going to be as okay as possible for those around you and the people you care about. But, but then on the other side, like he also mentions that, you know, you, you, are kind of by default taking resources away from other people like no matter what you do so you have to be aware of that as well and i think that isn't that kind of where the whole like lay down and die thing comes from is it just is that you're you just you know another person taking up resources and and it's like the ethical thing to do to just kind of let it happen i think so I think uh, a lot of trolls use it as like a cudgel against people mm. as well, though. Like, because, um, you know, there are just, there are definitely a lot of sadists out there that just like to, they just get off on uh, attacking people on the internet. And like, I was reading 
there, there was a big post the other day on Collapse about like what they should do about suicidal posts, and I was reading through the top comment, and the guy was like, man, just the other day, you know, some 13-year-old came on here and posted about, like, um, I read, like, the subreddit, and um, suicidal, and, you know, he was getting attacked over and over again by just some random dude, <laughs> and, like, I think that's part of, partly where that comes from, but there definitely are people that are thinking about it in sort of, like, an ethical way. And I think that they, you know, like, I think maybe a joke that people make sometimes is like, well, humans are the biggest, you know, uh, polluters. So if you just mm. <laughs> lay down and die, then you will no longer be polluting. <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, I think uh, like some people kind of consider the ethics of taking your own life and it, like if you should have a choice and that kind of comes to like euthanasia and stuff like that and i don't know i kind of want to steer clear of all of these topics generally just because it's you know mm -hmm. such a touchy subject for so many different people but yeah, yeah. um but like along with the lay down and die thing i think the other side is like just being resilient and i think that resigning yourself to it is really unhealthy in some sort of ways like i think acceptance is important but then doing some sort of action is good for you because stress without action mm. you know it kind of comes back to that um alcoholics anonymous sort of thing like having the courage what is it like be willing to accept the things you cannot change and the courage to change the things mm. you can or, or maybe it's the other way i don't know but there are things you can do for yourself at least and for other people like definitely need can be accountable to other people it's just it's 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 about yeah mitigating the effects of it as much as possible because i think it's inevitable that it's going to happen, so you need to um, do something about it, even if it's just making it less worse, mm -hmm. you know? I think that's a really valuable way to look at it. I, like, wrote down a thing that I paraphrased from the Reddit the other day that I wanted to share, too, that I think is kind of related. Like, we have these ideas of fixing climate change but that's like misguided and ignores the science that's out there because climate change is going to happen regardless with or without us and like we should take responsibility for our actions and begin to adapt to the changing world like that one article is deep mm -hmm. adaptation um and like there's no going back to normal and adapting doesn't mean buying an ac window because the temperature mm -hmm. is rising it means adapting our livelihood our buildings, our transportation infrastructure, and the fundamentals of our existence to be able to live in a hotter world, a world that will have less and less resources. Mm. Like, and yeah, there's that one post that is has like all the different things that you can do. Like, there's transition town networks. I'm excited. Like, something that I'm doing to take some sort of action. It's a small thing, but I got awarded a scholarship for this new american farmstead class one of the teachers of the class is the guy that sort of was on the ground floor of the transition town mm. movement 
so I'm excited to like learn some stuff from him. And it's the course is called um, Surviving the Future Conversations for Our Time and says we are delighted to have you join us on this journey as we pull back, share conversation, and discover meaningful responses with some of the most compelling people offering hope in troubled times. So like it's still kind of like about hope and I struggle with that word hope like because I think that it's probably better to be hopeless because hope is sort of it keeps you thinking that things can go back to what it was or you know like I think hope has to take a new meaning maybe like hope for <laughs> less destruction and less things not hope for something mm. better because <laughs> there's not going to be anything better I don't think yeah I mean hope can just be denial mm-hmm. if you don't do it in the right way for sure yeah I think yeah I think it has to be just hope that that like you you personally are able to to deal with it in the best way that you can like psychologically yeah, rather than pr- praying for some sort of Hail Mary solution. Yeah. Yeah. This whole subject to me feels like there's a really strong parallel between my own experiences with uh, having a loved one who is terminally ill and th- that process of, of coming to terms with that, that this is something that is actually happening. There's nothing you can do to reverse that. Yeah, and tr- trying to find meaning in that situation where you know, where you know that that's that's what it is. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, there are a lot of parallels between a dying person and a dying society. Mm. Um, for sure. I I, I uh, remember earlier in the conversation you were talking about the grieving, that like the five stages of of grief as it pertains to coming to terms with collapse. Yeah. Yeah, there's some really good stuff written about that out there um, that I encourage anyone listening to this to seek out and read. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have any of it, (laughs) like, saved or anything. But, Mm. well, there's one, I think it's, like, look into Joanna Macy because she's doing really... She does really great work on that sort of acceptance. And she actually has a book called Active Hope. And I think it's about not like, yeah, not passively hoping for things to get better, but sort of engaging with the process of the dying of everything. Um, mm. Which is totally different from lay down and die, right? Totally. Yeah. Which I don't know. I think lay down and die is like could be considered a stage (laughs) of like a stage of becoming collapse aware you know what i mean like Mm. that's the kind of like fatalistic stage of it just like coming to terms with the severity that like yeah there's actually people out there who are considering this that so this is maybe something worth considering yeah 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 it seems like the depression phase of the the five stages of grief Mm. to me yeah Yeah. definitely um there's a really great visual on the let's talk this collapse um that sort of shows the different stages of collapse i'm gonna pull it up and just like read through it because i think it's it's really cool on this uh website too there's like a there are people you can call 
like there's this website called doomersupport.org and it's like just this lady called Anne who will like take a phone call from you it's pretty cool um I like looked at just like emotional support yeah she'll just like give you a call stuff I think like I think mm-hmm. she's trained in like grief therapy and stuff like that so mm-hmm. there are definitely resources out there yeah so this graph it's called like barriers to understanding and like there are barriers to understanding what collapses and um just kind of I mean understanding I'm still really learning what that word means like to truly understand something like you kind of like have to embody it and like know just know it in your bones I think is a thing that like this poet Fred Moten I think is how you pronounce his name says when he's talking about books that people don't truly understand he's like they don't know the bones of the book you know they don't like know it in their bones Mm. And, and these things maybe do seem really obvious, but, you know, just with our coping mechanisms and everything, you just kind of, <laughs> like, deny things or push them away or or actively choose to be ignorant of them. Uh, like, there's, like, nescience, uh, ignorance, then it goes down to complexity, misinformation, and propaganda. One more layer down is apathy, skepticism, fatigue, fear, denial. One more layer down optimism cosmeticism technologism and hope another layer down beyond that is sort of like ideological things like pessimism cynicism nihilism hedonism then you get to acceptance and then there's even a further level after that called reality so it's like that's Mm. kind of interesting to me like what is reality in terms of like maybe it includes like all of these different levels you Mm. know like the fact that acceptance probably comes with like different phases of optimism or technologicalism or like apathy mixed in with like some cynicism like there's this idea like maybe you draw from all of them at certain points and like i don't know that's interesting is this is this specifically in reference to to this uh like doomer stuff or is it is this just to like collapse aware collapse awareness yeah but i'm sure you know there are parallels to grief you know yeah um, yeah i mean what it what it kind of makes me think of is is like reality is there and you're always approaching it but you'll you're never actually going to get there to actually comprehending reality fully accurately because yeah. because mm. you can't really well one you don't know what the reality actually is like for sure <laughs> and yeah even if you could could know you wouldn't be able to hold it in your head like all at once right because every perception is subjective right yeah yeah, and it's just so so complicated. And like our reality is shared and we like make it together, you know? So mm, totally there's no way that yeah, you yourself can know it. Unless, you know, yeah, you just can't. <laughs> if you're finding this podcast valuable so far, we'd really appreciate if you consider supporting it somehow. You can follow us on social media on Instagram or Facebook. You can also go follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a good rating there if you're on a platform that supports that. Thanks for listening.
Yeah, this shit's been seeping into my art like crazy lately. Like, uh, just mm. everything. I, I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I wonder what stage I'm at. Like, uh, I'm probably at, like, the complexity phase. Like, I'm pretty far up there. But, like, I, I know I've, like, DM'd you guys. Like, oh, I'm just going to be a hedonist from now on. <laughs> like, and, like, you guys have known me through, like, nihilist phases and shit where, like, I was smoking cigarettes and, like... <laughs> Just being like, Ugh, you know, everything sucks, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm still like that, and I probably always will be like that. But like, could could you talk a little bit more about how this has affected your art? Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm working on an EP right now that uh, is pretty much all um, collapse centered, and like, I was just part of this poetic license grant that, um, like, I did some poetry and art. I can like read it and show it to you guys. Um, please yeah we both and start. like the just the titles for my ep that i'm thinking of going with i'm like obsessed with six the number six so i always like try to i always try to do six things um but this time there were just so many things that i wanted to include so i did like the title and then like a subtitle so there are 12 things but it's like six tracks that i'm gonna do like passion passage of time parentheses sixth great extinction because we're in that currently like loss of biodiversity is probably the biggest thing that's happening right now and might be the worst thing oh there's also peak soil that's going to happen like our soil is just going to stop providing us nutrients and there will be mass famines <laughs> uh whatever mm -hmm. there's degrowth um which i'll call obsess pfoa like pfoas are these like chemicals that Dow created, or was it Dow or DuPont? Is that the same company? I don't know. I should know. I think they're different. But like DuPont created this one chemical to like go into Teflon. And I'm sure your parents' parents had Teflon or even your parents had Teflon in their house. I mean, you might still have Teflon in your house. Like Scotchgard is like another thing and like all it it got it got into the water like 99 percent of the water in the earth is infected with this stuff and it's in our bloodstreams and it's known to cause cancer and like all sorts of birth defects and like this lawyer mm. um sued them and proved that like they knew they were doing it and uh <laughs> it's just it's yeah, it's insane and next to that one i put hope mm. like it's kind of like a cheeky thing like <laughs> like our water like our source of life is infected with everything <laughs> with death and like i just think that hope is kind mm. of insane the earth is generous and i'm calling that plastic um press one for prayer now i'll call it chick chicken bones and then good night soil do you guys know what night soil is no no i don't really know either but i just know that it's like human shit <laughs> used for fertilizer and like stuff like that mm. so i thought good shit good night soil and i'm calling that one nuclear <laughs> and the reason i do plastic chicken bones and nuclear is because there's this one article called the capitalocene instead of like the anthropocene um oh yeah yeah and like the the like earth's crust is made up of uh what is it like trees which is coal i think 
dinosaurs bones which is like oil and some other bullshit and our thing like 10 billion years from now like our like um time in in like the grand scheme of things is going to be filled with chicken bones nuclear waste and plastic like that's that's what our that's what our geological crust is going to be um and like this this other i mean i'm sure the podcast people can't see this but yeah yeah. (laughs) anyways the it's like a it's like a poem that i made for this poetic license grant that i got um from the boulder writers warehouse they're doing we're doing this like collaboration these other people are gonna like do a big canvassing of all this art and everything and there's a couple other poets and it's gonna i'm excited that i got it and i'm glad that i got to do this and yeah congrats um i this is like the poetry for it uh surely we could do better demand the impossible burger do we want to legitimize our demise domesticate explosion but does it affect me feedback loops wire hours panic don't give in to fear crying culpable collective corrections seek to be a blessing red plus sign at capacity you're on your own with your fragile bones agonized acceptance yeah and like i can kind of explain all these things Mm. like demand the impossible is like i think a slogan from the civil rights movement or something and i just thought adding burger on the end of that like if it demand the impossible burger was funny because it's like going vegan would really help a lot of the thing but even developing the impossible burger is like bad for the environment because of all the energy and everything that it uses um mm-hmm. and like let's see what else like feedback loops i included that in there like um red plus sign at capacity like the hospitals are just going to continue to be overwhelmed and everything like we built this kind of hospital industrial complex that like has extended our lives you know for quite a long time and they kind of Stephen jenkinson is where i get this idea from in his book die wise like he talks about how the hospital system he's like a grief worker so he works with people that are dying and kind of tries to get them to accept their death and um and the families and he just kind of works through everyone with the whole thing and um like we're these really fragile creatures that kind of are now reliant on you know hospitals like because if you broke your (laughs) femur in the wild um you were fucked like Mm -hmm. some animal would just come and eat you like your pack would probably leave you i mean there's a lot of evidence against this actually i think though so i might just be talking over my ass because i know that um some some of the old like hunter-gatherer societies would nurse their people back to health which is really cool Mm. but um you know for the most part if you broke your femur you're in some pretty deep shit but now it's like you can probably go to the hospital and get it like braced up and you know get some morphine going for you and mm-hmm. um you know like when we lose the hospital industrial complex uh i mean imagine 
the different plagues and everything that are going to happen and what that is going to do to our populations and I don't know it's like I definitely don't enjoy this at all you know like I think some people get sort of I think that's a half truth because like mm. you know part of me is like <laughs> yeah all of this sucks for so many different people it sucks for me it sucks for my family it sucks for you guys like and then part of me when this pandemic hit I was like just glad that everything kind of caught up to where I was at it just this kind of like you know shut in like person who is alienated from society and doesn't you know throw myself a pity party here but <laughs> that uh when this hit it just kind of was like now like all of this bullshit is just kind of revealed to everyone uh but i mean not not everyone because i mean you know i'm rambling so <laughs> that's all good i mean yeah i i yeah i i wouldn't say i'm like I mean, as someone who who doesn't like feel the need to interact with people a whole lot, I you know, I'm I'm doing kind of okay. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like I feel like I'm at least from from the the social isolation stuff. I'm 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 like pretty content with the amount of like the very low amount of of social interaction I have right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I definitely so. have been feeling a lot of strain from that. Um, although yeah. I, I have in the past felt isolated, even before the the pandemic, but I had started to come to the realization that that's um, at that time it was self inflicted, and um, now I guess I have a nice excuse. <laughs> but um, sure. I've been fine. I've been finding. Uh, satisfaction and uh peace in uh breaking my isolation and (laughs) having people that that i allow myself to have contact with and and just accepting that risk for myself you know because if i know that i can isolate from the general populace and yet still expose myself to people who are themselves already taking uh uh, some amount of risk in exposing themselves to the same group of people like that's um i don't know that's an acceptable risk for me i i, I feel like if i were to have to live in isolation indefinitely i would probably lose uh sight of my desire to continue existing mm. yeah yeah that'd be kind of a breaking point yeah i mean it's all relative mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I wouldn't want to live in in total isolation either um, yeah i don't think we can <laughs> like social yeah animals we'd go yeah, crazy yeah, right yeah, <laughs> yeah. F- physical touch i mean that, that that's too, such a yeah. huge thing and that's like the one thing that yeah. is being denied people most in in the current situation for sure yeah. So so bringing it back to the the collapse type stuff, uh, I was wondering, Alex, if you could talk a little bit about this nuclear containment catastrophe 
idea that that people mention a lot oh right well i think this is the problem that we have i think it's 4400 nuclear stations or something like that and Mm -hmm. a lot of them are by the sea which will rise and uh, destroy them. And all of that waste from that is going to contaminate the ocean further, which, I mean, we were blowing up nuclear bombs in the ocean pretty much nonstop in the 50s, I think. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think even past, like, the sea, the ones that are by the sea, like, the problems with that, the ones that are inland or, you know, wherever... They're so complex to keep together that when our systems start to fail in many ways and and we don't have enough resources to sort of go towards like nuclear containment, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of theoretically like nuclear facilities that just kind of can't hold the waste anymore. That's my like very basic understanding of it. Yeah, I guess I don't really know what what uh, what the whole process of of just containing and holding on to nuclear yeah. waste is. Uh, like, I mean, I I I always just assumed it was sitting there and you know whatever lead lined like you know feet thick walled containers it's in like you know. It doesn't really need too much right. input from the outside world, but there's probably like, I don't know, lots of upkeep that needs to happen and stuff like that. Yeah, there's lots of upkeep and there's a lot of electricity mm-hmm. <laughs> that goes into it. So, I mean, if like things just start far, falling apart at the seams, you know, like power outings and stuff like that. And I know that they have like probably backup power and stuff, but... I mean, what if the power just never comes back on? That backup power is going to eventually run out as well. And I don't really know, like, how they would... Like, I think that ultimately they would need to be decommissioned, like all of those things, in order for uh, it to be Mm -hmm. truly safe. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, nuclear containment uh, relies on the growth that we see you know like it relies on business as usual um and i mean that's just kind of the principle of the thing i you know i definitely can't go into any of the technical stuff on it but a lot of people write about it and uh i know i think guy mcpherson is that's like one of his biggest fears Mm -hmm. is like uh (laughs) what's going to happen to all the nuclear facilities when uh there's like an emp attack or is it EMP or EMT? I don't know what it is, but EMP, like, you know, our whole electric grid goes down and they can't contain it. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, this goes back into the complexity that things are, we've built this incredibly complex society and the more complex it is, the harder it is to keep up and the harder it will fall when 
it inevitably falls because civilizations just don't last. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think the longest running civilization right now is China, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. Like we're only 200 years old as a nation or, <laughs> or what? Like 300 years old, 200, 317. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in a you know, U S history class. Like, now I can do that. Number, but <laughs> and, and I mean like societies typically only last 200 to 300 years. Like there have been thousands of societies that have risen and fallen, and I don't know. It's just yeah, a, I mean, you could argue. I, I think I would argue you can't really look at it on a country by country basis now because it's also interconnected. Um, yeah, but globalization. Yeah, but I think the thing that I think about a lot is is you know even if you had like a blueprint to make a computer, if you didn't have a way to mine all the <gasps> you know all the rare rare metals and, and materials and you know s- smelt the the metals and all that kind of stuff or you know make the plastic you know you know get the oil to make the plastic right. like there's no there's there's no way you're going to make the computer because you, you just don't have the the whole like coming uh supply chain for all those materials if the if the civilization yep. <laughs> collapses yeah yeah, I don't know. I've I've been. <laughs> I feel like one of those like Wojaks, you know, the the like memes of like the guy with like the huge brain, and I'm like sitting on it, you know. <laughs> but like whenever I look at Twitter or like anything now, and like I see people getting in squabbles about whatever, I'm just kind of like, um, you know, we're just we're doomed no matter what. Mm-hmm. But but. I don't know. Maybe I do like being a know-it-all, but mm. it's not a good look. Yeah, I mean, it gives you it gives you an interesting perspective on on environmental debates because you know people are, are hemming and hawing about about how much you know what we should be doing, you know, different measures to stop climate change and and carbon credits and you know renewable energy and electric cars right. and all that stuff but it's like in the like and that's like such a heated debate but in the end it's probably not gonna <laughs> you know it's not gonna matter like there's there's no right. way it's gonna help and it actually yeah, yeah. that actually connects to something i wanted to talk about which is this idea of a, of a biological imperative which i find mm-hmm. real interesting um i mean it kind of goes back to uh like the idea of humanity being like a virus or a bacteria or something you know that's just gonna gonna take up as much space as it possibly can you know without without any a foresight yeah. of of you know overshooting a carrying capacity or anything like that um right because that's just like what life is is designed to do yeah <laughs> yeah like looking at mold in a petri dish or like yeast populations in in alcohol yep. that they'll grow and grow until they don't have any resources anymore and then they'll, they'll choke and die in their own refu- refuse yeah Yep. I think that Cat William Catton Jr. uses yeast as like a central like metaphor mm. <laughs> for for us. Like we're just like the yeast, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Like every, you know, biological thing does the same thing. Like Yeah. It, yeah. And and the I mean and the, the, the tragic thing is that we're aware of or, you know some people are aware yeah. some of some <laughs> people are aware that, that, you know, of what is happening. Um 
and and still like there's there's no way we're gonna stop you know like we're uh yeah we, we have we have the curse of of knowing what's what's happening without being able to do anything about it yeah there would have to be like a giant like conscious like shift yeah coordinated you know what I effort mean? everyone on the same page trying to <laughs> fix yeah. the thing yeah yeah we need that uh what do they call it the like we need the sing- singularity because mm. uh it's the only thing that can get us on the same page <laughs> yeah that's our hail mary right there huh? <laughs> that's like the technohopium though isn't it mm. yeah it's, like, it's kind of interesting though because like I, I mean, I don't want to rely on it because it's not here yet. And so maybe it won't save everything like some people hope. But I don't know. Don't you guys kind of get the sensation that every part of our existence on this planet as a whole is sort of approaching a, a peak? You know, it, it's maybe that peak is collapse. Or maybe that peak is transformation and rebirth into an, a new undefinable tech uh, or undescribable technological world. Um, but it, it kind of feels like we are approaching something, right? I mean, or do you, do you get that sensation? I I don't get that. That sounds interesting, though. <laughs> like. Uh... I mean, if I did get it, I would just like sort of write it off as like, you know, advertisements selling me, you know, something for my whole life that is like, um, you know, if you do this next thing, then you're going to get the desire <laughs> that you uh, are, are looking for. You're going to fill that hole, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fill the void. That's interesting, though. But it seems like you definitely have that feeling on like the negative side that that we are kind of approaching some cataclysmic apocalyptic thing, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's just like a meme that I'm doing, you know, like (laughs) just kind of being like the doomsayer guy (laughs) or something like I'm trying to carve out a niche in the uh, (laughs) like in the market, you know what I mean? Like. (laughs) I'll be the guy that does like doom art or whatever, which is probably already saturated anyways. Mm. But like, I, I think so. Um, I think I'm becoming a little bit more like long view of things. There's, there's only one thing that's sort of in the back of my mind, which is if like all of the feedback loops start, to kick off then maybe we'll in like 2026 or something like the earth will just be uninhabitable and we'll you know all of us will drop dead Mm. but i think (laughs) you know i'm moving a little bit away from that and like i'm still trying to plan for things and i'm still sort of thinking ahead to the future Mm. Uh, one thing that a little bit Sorry to interrupt. Uh, one th- one thing that I think is really valuable to think about maybe is uh, going back to that overshoot book. Uh, I, I haven't read the book, but I did read or I did watch that video overview that Trevor, you sent me of uh, of the book. And this central idea, he has that graph 
where you have on on you have uh, the one line that's the carrying capacity, right? That's how many organisms can survive. Um, and then you have the population growth is another line which becomes exponential and eventually as it ascends it crosses over the carrying capacity and then what af what happens after that is it continues to grow but eventually it starts to level out um, and this is what he calls the the peak right um, and that what happens after that is uh, at, for, for, the, for that whole duration that the population is above the carrying capacity we are the only way that that can happen is by depleting the resources uh for the future so that the carrying capacity decreases and the result yeah robbing peter to pay paul yeah yeah totally <laughs> and and so the result being that uh a, a crash happens but um it's it's a little bit more complicated than that. He he shows there are actually several different outcomes that could happen, um, and uh, one let's say the idealistic outcome would be if we were f far sighted enough to notice when we were even approaching uh, the carrying capacity and being able to level out before we reach that. Now. We're probably past that, uh, right? As as far as as uh, anyway, what the the book overshoot uh, says is that we're well past that, and actually maybe about to go into the decline section. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, so so then there's that pattern afterward, after the collapse, where it sort of uh, waves up and down, right? The the population. Uh, sort of reaches an equilibrium with the carrying capacity and levels out to 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 create a new stable sustainable uh, pattern but 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 that's only one possible solution uh, or outcome uh, another outcome being that the population the carrying capacity hits zero meaning that uh, we all die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I personally, yeah. I think it's pretty unlikely that humanity will actually go extinct. Like, I short short of some, you know, like an ast uh, asteroid impact or like, I don't, well, I guess the the nuclear power, the nuclear waste thing, I guess could maybe result in that if if you know if it does get into like the ocean and all the water and stuff like that, mm. then I mean maybe, but just 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 from the from the like kind of ecological agriculture collapsing i i i find it very hard to see how that would lead to actual extinction yeah mm, yeah there's always going to be some people who do manage to survive yeah until we like evolve out of humans yeah i yeah. think mm. um and that that's one thing that really is actually hopeful for me is the idea of permaculture and sustainable agriculture where each individual in the population is contributing some part of their energy to uh, creating their own uh, sustainable food source. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think I think yeah, that's it's a comforting idea. I I have heard though that there's I mean there's no way that the the current world population could all be like uh, sustenance farmers, right? Like the mm. the the and that's a really shitty existence yeah. too. Like sustenance farming is like hard as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the EROI on that, I think, is like one to one. But what's the <laughs> EROI? Like you, like you spend the energy return on investment. Oh. Like you spend all of your time doing it to get that energy back to yourself. No, but is is that with traditional farming approaches or uh, looking into permaculture and uh, the sort of horticulture uh, approaches where you have multiple. Uh, plants and animals working in conjunction to create a sustainable ecosystem that you're you're not uh necessarily once it's going you don't do much of the heavy lifting you're just sort of cultivating that ecosystem which uh builds off of itself it's a good question i don't know i ask because my parents uh have gotten extremely into permaculture themselves uh, and they did a lot of research and uh, classes about all of the practices they're involved therein and they they even went so far as to buy a farm down in Oregon and they're in the process of building their own house with their with their own hands and uh, will then be doing permaculture stuff there cool is it far enough away from the coast? <laughs> it is actually quite far from the okay. coast. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Should be good for like 400 years or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's, an, it's an Oregon, right? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Although they were very close to the fire that happened uh, a month or two ago. Oh, Shit. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's. I think... Uh, I mean, I hope I learn more about that from that class that I'm going to take. Because, uh, mm. um, I mean, I think the whole thing with transition towns is like building like a permaculture, like large scale, like having permaculture for food, but also permaculture for like culture. Yeah. Like how you interact with other people and like the economy and, you know, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one um, of the major points of that overshoot book is that, like we said, you can't have, uh, how he puts it, a centralized control of the population. For, for example, China saying you can only have one child. That doesn't work. And the only solution that might work is to have kind of like a grassroots, almost like a blockchain sort of solution where it, it's built upon educating uh, and inspiring the populace so that each individual can contribute to a community that's built around those ideals. Yeah, for sure. It's like that, what that like brought up for me is like, um, the question gets asked a lot on collapse. Like do the elites, like the people that, you know, like the, you know, whatever president of china or donald trump or (laughs) jeff jeff bezos you know like do these people who run the world who own the world like do they understand this and it's like Mm. you know maybe maybe they do but uh like they just don't care i mean Mm. and, and if they do care like 
it's like it just goes against their interests you know what i mean mm. like um they <laughs> if they they just can't like give up everything yeah I mean, there's so much inertia I, yeah and like i don't know it's because it's like <laughs> why don't why don't they i mean things are just massively complex with like wars and shit too you know what i mean like people just are not going to get along <laughs> like the idea of like world peace like <laughs> yeah it's just uh so i mean how do you how do you like like have protection or like safety from people who you know are like ideologically opposed or whatever opposed to you who think that you're dumb and stupid and need to die. Like how do you have protection from that while, you know, living in these kind of, uh, I mean, that's part of the problem I think is just like, it doesn't seem like, um, I don't really know what I'm trying to say. It's a, no, it's I, I I get I think I get what you're getting at. I I mean I think yeah I think for for political leaders they they have to put their country's interests first because that's kind of their whole job, um, and I think that kind of necessitates like one not telling people exactly what their assessment of the situation is if even if they're you know assessing it accurately, um, despite what you know could be very very dire predictions uh, they just have to like keep everyone calm and and still look out for the the best interests of their uh the people who got them elected um which really seems like at least in um, you know the united states that's not the case yeah definitely <laughs> that, that's the like, ideal yeah. situation the, the the world that we, the po- politics that should happen <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think like it definitely will be important to just kind of focus on your, not yourself, but like your community and your immediate surroundings because mm-hmm. like the, the whole like global situation is, I think just, it's I have no it's clue. Too much. It's too big for any individual or group of individuals to tackle. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and the, re- the reality is that, is that all these these things are going to hit developing countries first and like way harder than it's going to hit us at least, at least at first. Mm. So like, and like, that's the, yeah, that's the thing with developing countries too, is they're trying to get where we're at. Yeah. So like they're using resources, like, you know, nobody's business and trying to catch up with where we're at in terms of what we use and how we live, like our standard of living and, what are you going to do? Tell them not to do that. Like, you know, don't, don't get an AC. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, really what needs to happen is, is everyone in developed countries needs to like cut way back on their resources. Cause you know, no, no, it's, it would be impossible for everyone to have our, our, uh, uh, what's the word standard of living. I mean, everyone needs to do it. <laughs> I just have, yeah, it just, it really does kind of make me laugh a little bit. Hmm. Why is that? Like, I'll just be like walking or thinking or driving and just thinking about all this. And uh, 
thinking of how complex it is and it's like really funny <laughs> i guess in kind of like an ab- like an absurd kind of way yeah, I mean, so what, what else what else can you do besides either laugh or cry right yeah <laughs> yeah fatalism yeah i wanted to like go over some of my favorite like reddit posts this week too sure maybe i'll do the past like month like the top top 10 from the past month or something sure uh because yeah let's see so number one americans celebrate dow 30k at their local food bank (laughs) and it's just like a picture of like the food lines i think in austin texas like the day that the dow hit uh 30k (laughs) um let's see trump just fired the head of the nnsa the agency that oversees our nuclear weapons safety so yeah Mm. that's great uh yeah (laughs) let's see this one says uh the mood before you process collapse and all that grief and it's like a twitter post of i need to get my life together but i'm kind of waiting to see if the world is going to end before i put any real effort in (laughs) (laughs) uh Let's see. I, I, not, not to derail the, the the thing, but I feel like that is the feel like probably the feeling of a lot of people, like m- myself included, a yeah. little bit. It's like especially you know for, when for our generation, like you know, actually making a career and and you know having like a you know uh, some kind of security already seems like so impossible sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it. I think that's definitely part of the appeal of of the this whole thing definitely it's like fuck like why even put it like put in any effort which is you know like i think somewhat of a people would probably say pretty privileged position to take you know uh like to just be able to kind of say man no i don't know if i should put in any effort at all to into the society if it's just gonna fail but um yeah you know i think it's probably a pretty widespread feeling at least yeah yeah because yeah for, i mean the, the vast majority of people just don't have a choice because they have to you know uh, they just have to keep keep going to you know survive yeah. um let's see i'm gonna skip some of the uh like picture ones but there's this one very violent clashes in Paris as thousands protest the new security law which prohibits to film the police officers. So the Paris people know how to riot, which is nice. Mm. Um, I thought this one was interesting when I saw it. Like in 1979, President Carter installed solar panels on the White House. In the year 2000, this solar heater can either be a curiosity, a museum piece, an example of a road not taken, or it can just seem a small part of an American adventure. And Reagan took them down, and the panels are now in a museum. Uh, And I mean, even then, like solar panels, (laughs) you know, like those are techno-hopium. I don't know... With what weapons World War Three will be fought, but we can safely assume it'll be fought in a mountain of trash. <laughs> um, there's one in four Americans are jobless or earning poverty level wages. New study finds. 
Yeah, and I hate to be like that Reddit guy, like, oh, look at the studies, and oh, but, you know, I don't know. This is just how I spend my life, like, <laughs> scrolling on Collapse. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I usually just look at what's on there during the day. Like, I can't go back and look at these posts, because it's like, just this huge deluge of information, mm-hmm. and like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like the most concentrated form of of doom scrolling. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, there's that article in the Times and like man, I don't know. I definitely should not spend as much time on here as I do, mm-hmm. but um if I don't I don't know. I guess I just get bored. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Then I guess back on the page now, like just the page, if you went to it right now, like the first one is a warning on climate and the risk of societal collapse is in the Guardian. So like, I think a lot of people, I mean, like our whole generation, we've kind of grown up with like this climate change in the back of our minds. Speaking of like the Al Gore movie and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But like... Maybe it's taken that long for it to like sink in for a lot of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like collapse is such a process that it's, you know, <laughs> you don't yeah. encounter this stuff and you, you're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's it's so com- complex and I don't know. Yeah, and, and slow moving and and like like I said, like it doesn't it doesn't directly affect a lot of people. And, yeah. and you know even if if we can point to stuff like hurricanes getting worse and forest fires getting worse it's always like well it could just be you know bad luck that we're having all these things get worse all at the same time yeah so it, it's it's yeah it's it's easy to just like explain it away or uh or say oh well the the climate's changing but like it's definitely changing but humans aren't causing it or we don't know whether humans are causing it, it I think the, we, yeah the can just keeps getting kicked down the road yeah, I think we have to for our sanity too, because <laughs> like uh, fully accepting this is like uh, it's not good, folks. I I, I think good. coming to any sort of acceptance of mortality of of loss is going to change you drastically and leave you uh, in some ways unrecognizable from where you were before, and so in that sense i think it can give you a really strong sense of uh of impossibility of of you would have to be like that it would drive you insane but i think that that is a threshold that everyone has to cross over at one point or the other and when you do you may find that it's not insanity on the other end it's just a different form of experience for sure yeah it's like a paradigm shift mm. yeah yeah but it but it's a state of mind that's almost impossible to imagine before you you cross over the boundary mm-hmm. yeah definitely i want to say like you know call to action because i mean that one post is uh from the collapse support reddit is like the most important thing you can do is like begin to talk about this with people you know and I mean, maybe there's a smart way 
to go about doing that, you know, just not like throwing, throwing doom, you know, mm. in their face yeah. all the time. Yeah. How do you but, engage someone who doesn't want to hear about it? Yeah. Maybe you just don't too. Like, but, but what you just said, it, it's like one of the most valuable, important things you can do. So like how, how, yeah. could you? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think know. I mean I mean to start with I think it has to be with people who are who are close to you who you have like a pretty strong relationship with. Mm. Yeah, I mean where you can even have a, have a a serious conversation like that in the first place. Right. That's true. Yeah, like don't just like go up to anyone like an acquaintance or whatever yeah. and do it. I mean, I kind of do it on my Instagram a lot, but I mean it's kind of like a public thing, so yeah. Mm. Social media is different. I feel like yeah, yeah. I don't know because like, how do you how do you do it, or should you even? Because I know there's this, there are a lot of people that are like, it's not worth your time. Like, if because there are some people that are just not gonna accept it. Like, <laughs> they're just gonna stay in their world because they want to, mm-hmm. and you know that's okay um i mean what's the whole like revolution thing like it takes three percent of a population to really shake shit up so it's like you don't need to get everyone on your side you just need to get like the people that are willing and receptive to hear it Mm. but Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm. well maybe that's a question that our listeners can help us figure out if you have any ideas or uh, comments on that. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you reach out on social media or send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you, if you guys are going to link all those links that I sent you, definitely take a look at the collapse support one about mm-hmm. like actionable things that you can do um Mm -hmm. it's definitely a lot to take in Mm -hmm. but um you know talk about it with your friends and uh Mm -hmm. yeah the thing that's been on my mind a lot recently uh that (laughs) has been really helpful dealing with grief and sort of fear of death uh it's from that stephen jenkinson book where he talks about living like a good way to think about it is like it's is centered around like food and like you know usually you can tell when someone is <laughs> like ready to die when they stop eating mm. they're like they just don't have the energy to feed themselves anymore and um they're so it's kind of like you you have the energy to feed yourself until you don't like you you're living until you're not Mm -hmm. you know you Mm -hmm. uh you're you get up every day until you don't and like Mm -hmm. it seems really simple but it's just kind of like a zen thing to to like keep in the back of your mind like you're living, you're breathing until you're not, and you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Totally.
Thank <laughs> you.